she, she always tells me um, that Dave is her favorite stiff boy. Well, Dave's I'm everyone's like, favorite stiff boy. Uh, that's what I mean. I'm just used to that one. Is so he? It's like, oh, I thought I was everyone's least favorite stiff boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're everyone's favorite, Dave. You're everyone's favorite. I get yeah. random kids come up to me and say, do you know the innovator of hair care? <laughs> Yes, old Davy Schwarzkopf. Mm. Oh, oh, thank you, Josh, for that one. Mm. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the recognizable one. That's my. <laughs> that's my. That's my claim to fame. <laughs> All right, let's bang out a fucking another classic intro. Yeah, let's crush it. <sighs> Some Tibetan monk chanting for this intro. Um, yeah, it's oh. close. Oh. After that, it's uh, tantric. <laughs> oh, oh, we are, we work stiff. You are listening to our show. <laughs> this is <so> <laughs> The way you said it, uh, sure. I wish this sure. was a visual pod, a visual <laughs> Yeah, just when you thought we were. I like it. Where's the theme? We're going to tie the theme in here. Right? We're going to find a way to tie it. Where, where's this emerging oh, from? Where's, what's the inspiration? We what is the theme? I'm just saying, what's the inspiration? It's a new beginning. I was thinking of Goto. We didn't talk about Goto at all. <laughs> he literally maybe one of the few wrestlers we didn't speak about. And you know, and and what are the odds, Red? We that we would that us, the New Japan pro wrestling character and storytelling sort of podcast, would not mention Goto. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> just very right. unlucky that you brought him up. Well, I'm doing this now anyway, so just bear with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You sound like the dude that Louis interviews on fucking weird weekends when he goes and speaks to the alien guy who speaks to fucking the alien's genes. (laughs) (laughs) You are speaking to... Oh, oh, that got me. <laughs> that one got me. That's a reference. <laughs> how many people? How many people are getting there? What are we getting there? Oh, there's a lot of Louis Louis Thoreau fans out there. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's some of his best stuff. Oh, it's never a It's never a good thing to be compared to a subject of Louis Thoreau. <laughs> <sighs> uh, uh. <laughs> That's like the, you've derailed an intro, Red. <laughs> oh. oh, Dave. That's done. You want me to give you another one just in case like you get out. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Just in case that one. Just in case that one's like inaudible. <laughs> I'm a Japanese. I'm a Japanese. I'm a Japanese. I'm a Japanese.
Just when you thought we were done, it's time for fun because these three lads are on a new beginning. It's a shindig of fun things that are all going to be going down like dinner. Goodness gracious me, pour that gravy on baby. <laughs> My name is the ravishing mad cunt Red, and I am joined as always over yonder by the Tugamore pimp himself. He is Mumble Bob, he is David Schwashkoff, because he is the innovator of hair care. It is Dr. Dave Rudin. You like I'm on a game show. And as always, naming how much that washing machine costs, you probably know. Tell us what he's won. <laughs> he is the reeker of Salika and the guy responsible for editing to the show, so you can all thank him online at Twitter. At we work stiff. <laughs> at Twitter. At we work stiff. I deserve my thanks this week. <laughs> he is the reeker of Salika, the peaker of Alika Trolites, <laughs> the salad subway munching, the man who doesn't like to be crowd bunching. I love crowd he bunching. He is Dr. Julius Josh. Mm. <laughs> <Crying>. <laughs> Oh, there it is. There it is. You want a little chicken at the end there too. Right? Yeah. Nice touch. Okay. I've got to make sure that I've got this sorted for this show for New Beginning Review Preview. It's funny the New Beginning um, tour because of, there's been there's going to be four shows, like four main shows across the the stretch, you know, and they stretch out over basically nearly a month, you know. Obviously, it's leading to the Osaka show, which is the big one, which we'll preview because it feels like it's ramping up and there's a lot of questions in regards to that as well. Um, particularly, you know, the Hikaleo J stuff. It's I feel like a lot of the stuff, and we talked about it last week, I feel like New Japan's doing these multiple story things where they're like one for you, one for us kind of storytelling. It's like one for a sort of a Western interest, one for domestic interest, you know, and that's kind of where they're going. Even we talked about it for Tamashi discussion, you know, one macro story happening but also one for the local audience to get invested in so it feels yeah. like they're sort of that's a strategy they're going with about playing different audiences within the same construct so um i'm seeing the two kind of questions around um yeah the, the questions we've got and we'll go we'll go into them as we go along and that probably gives a bit of structure well i i have i have notes uh from both nights so that's good i mean obviously um it was a tremendous night of new japan pro wrestling on the saturday night um, yeah this, the the night night one was just phenomenal like the the pacing of the matches but also too like the for me personally like just the whole catch 22 versus doki and drunky uh just two guys uh osprey and tai chi was just fucking phenomenal i mean jesus yeah. christ like I think I said to you guys something during that match about how the maturity of the two of them, you really just noticed it so much in that match. Uh, then obviously going to Naito versus Shooter, which was a bit of a fizzer, but it was good in the way that you saw a little bit of the un overwhelming side to Shooter. But <laughs> good, good in the way of him getting, getting a bit lost halfway through it. Yeah, and I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just shows what a sort of a veteran Naito is to sort of like, you know, really pushed through with what they were doing on that one. As a side note, I thought the actual uh, 
setup to <laughs> the new beginning, it reminded me of early 2000s backlash. Yeah, the, uh, the, the stage. Yeah, the stage, the, mm. in, the you know, where they walked out from and everything. And yeah, I mean, I, I just thought the look and everything, the aesthetics, the crowd was great. Oh, man, that crowd was good. So good to hear. Yeah, it's great to see, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just fun. You know, I just love when New Japan's at that level and it's like just putting on great shows where it's like you're not on your phone, you're invested, you're watching it. Like I didn't watch it live, but man, that shit is just so much fun to watch live when it's going down. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we couldn't watch it live because it was happening at the exact same time we were in the Croxton, um, which is an interesting strategy. As I said, a great night for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think that was a you know sort of declaration of just how how deep the company is right now. I think we're putting on two shows in two different um, continents, you know, and I think that was kind of a and both being have you know having matches that people are taking away from and really talking about, you know. Mm. Um, and we, I mean, we went back after the show and were sitting in our room watching Tai Chi and um, and Osprey, and um, we get. I mean, I I said to Dave, you know, you got to you got to rewatch it because I rewatched it on the flight home and mm. was blown away when I rewatched it. Yeah. Um, the the Shota, um, I think we both fell asleep during the the Shota Naito match. Yeah. Um, at which I went back to rewatch and thought that might be an accurate review of the match. To be fair, um, it was it was a tough one. It was a and it was tough for Shota. There's no getting away from it. It was um, yeah. It it they just didn't they as a from a chemistry vibe standpoint. I don't think. I think the booking of that and the positioning of that is a tricky space because it's like the crowd doesn't want to go against Naito and they, for the hot young baby face returning, it's a really difficult space to be in and try to read that and get that. Um, my big takeaway from that ultimately is I'm not going to fucking overreact like everyone else is overreacting about, oh, well, Shooter's not the guy. Um, I think it's a situation <laughs> yeah, but, where he's... No, Shooter's still the guy. That's the, what we're well, notion that is. Like, he may be a guy. I'm not, I'm not willing to say he's not the guy, but... No, the kids are stuck. The kids, if the oh, kid, yeah. like Tanahashi meets Mox, there's like a kid pretending to be Tanahashi and Mox in one. For starters, the kid has a very awesome, unique move set that mm. really sort of like adds to his sort of like you know sort of like Mox influence, but also you know the Japanese dojo sort of like influence. Like yeah. he's got this chemistry that it just electric and comes through the screen. That's an interesting theory right off the back of that that. And I kind of like it. I kind of, I don't know whether it's 4D chess and I'm give, we're giving people too much credit. I'd love to know where I saw it on Twitter. I'd love to give credit to it. And I will tweet it out when I find it. Um, that someone was saying that perhaps this is a conscious attempt to give Shooter the Naito arc where he's going to be propelled way too quickly. And he's going to be, he's already on the front. He's on the front. When you go on the uh, fire stick for New Japan World or whatever, yeah. when you load up, he's on there now. Um, and so what, they, a, they've given the Naito thing, so it's like people get over. So he fails. So he fails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he fails because Naito's big thing was trying to emulate people, mm. right? Trying to be someone that he wasn't. And as Muto Muto said just recently in a promo, saying about Naito, uh, he he didn't get over when he was trying to be me. Then he stopped trying to be me, and he became popular. <laughs> that was his simplified version of the Naito arc. You know, Muto's a very good way of con- con- telling 15 years of story in one sentence. Um, like the opposite of Tana, wrestle less like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> wrestle less like me. But that's that is Naito. Naito was always chasing that, and it feels like Shooter. We said about like Shooter's like he's got Naito influence, Tana influence, Mox influence. He's carrying his stuff, and everyone's like. 
we're yearning for him to get his own identity. It's like, yeah, it feels like it might be a conscious attempt to build a character. I'm not willing, I'm not willing to go there yet, but I like it as a little conspiracy. I yeah, like the it, idea of it as a little conspiracy. Is it too yeah. confused? I mean, we even talked about it, about like, you know, the randomness of the roughneck sort of yeah addition to his name and that he's wearing shooter on his dax and like he maybe he's a character that's a little bit confused about what his own identity is and he has death rider on one kneecap and you know and it's funny like i was thinking to myself when the match was starting and everything like i was over hyping what it was to me i was over hyping it so much started great though first two minutes were good but that's when the whole energy and the chemistry was coming through i was going like shit are, are we watching a passing of the torch that's you know what I mean? Like that's the level I was at when the two of them were in the ring together. Yeah, and the torch went out. And the torch went out. I mean they got but that was the thing, like it got lost. That's why yeah. I felt like the match midway got lost and it kind of just sort of meandered from that point. It, they they didn't they sort of didn't do any high spots or anything past that point. And it was a it was just a confu- chemistry wise didn't work for whatever reason. It fizzed um, very, very quickly when you know shooter was uh, fumbling around moves and Naito sort of had to take over like particularly when uh, Shooter was going for the, the package DDT uh, Shooter whether it was Naito it stumbled basically and then they went straight yeah. back to the move again like it was but also too I, I did find it funny that Shooter was sort of, sort of like learning or emulating from Naito but breaking all of his falls with his neck <laughs> um, yeah well I think that was kind of the thing with it but I like that idea of at least thinking when things get lost, you you fall back on who you are and your identity and you you trust in the, the those practices. Shooter can't do that yet. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that yet. Um, and I think regardless of whether it's conscious storytelling or not, it's part of his story anyway. So it's going to be there. He's going to be a guy. I think he's got all the talent in the world. He's 25 years old. He's coming back from excursion. The expectation, I know that um, uh, Booz Leprechaun on Twitter at Booz Leprechaun made a very good point and I'll, I'll echo her thoughts. Not everyone's going to be Okada. Not everyone's going to be Jay White. They've created an expectation that people come back from excursion and they're instantly going to yeah. be ready to be yeah. at that level. Yeah. Not everyone is that. And even some of the great the great people that get to that level, like an El Desperado, for instance, he struggled. Yeah. But I mean, even even when uh, Jay came back. Jay's first match. That, yeah, that first match with Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, a lot of people shat on him and I was like, I actually really like that match. Um you know, you see something. And I think Shooter will be a little bit in the same boat. And too, like if he's as talented as, you know, we all think he is, mm. that, you know, you're going to learn more from your mistakes, right? And I would imagine yeah. that he will look hard at that match and will want to make improvements. So mm. I think it's the end of the world. No, and I saw that in night two. I think he came out far more aggressive in the, in the multi-man on the second yeah. night. So I think he sort of already made a, a quick quick adjustment in, in respects there. So, yeah, but I, I, again, I thought it was a tough spot. And we said going in it was a tough spot because we saw it in the lead up and everyone's like saying there's a lot of discourse out there saying, you know, people, the crowd aren't as invested in this kid yet. It's like you see it in the Corrigans, they are. But when he's got, I think, I think a lot of people are too quick to underestimate and they continue to do it. It's why it took him fucking 88 years to make the Hall of Fame. People underestimate how beloved Tetsuya Naito is. Like, they yeah. do not... Like, you put anyone against him, no one's cheering against him. They're not going to turn on him. So it's a situation where it was like, I speculated last week about Naito had we have to go nastier to try to... to The growth was in Naito's character and that Shota wasn't going to have as much opportunity to grow as a character through the relationship with Naito in that sense. But ironically, through his failure, as you mentioned, Dave, he kind of has grown a little bit because he's got now he's getting a rougher edge. 
because it's like, mm. oh, he's struggling. Like, oh, oh, this is not supposed to happen. He's the he's the golden child. He's the nepotism baby. Like, he's the nepo baby. Like, he's he's supposed to be the one that's coming through, right? Like, that's it. He's struggling. Meanwhile, Red Narita's just flying high. Like, it's a cool little dynamic that's happening mm. there. He's been given everything, and he's struggling with it. And Narita's been given nothing and is is excelling. I yeah. like that dynamic. He has his dad refing his matches too. And yeah, exactly. Ren, Ren's got nothing. He's had to build it up and like, yeah. That match aside, I, I think, I think we've that's. I mean, I think we can take the positive from that and understanding where hopefully that will lead. I mean, well, that matches aside, I, I was actually hoping we could backtrack a bit to um, catch twenty two. Yes. Um, versus just two guys because uh, you said it. You were, actually it was weird. You were watching it on the flight while I was actually watching it at home. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and. I'm like, watch it. It's incredible. Yeah. And I, you know, you're hundred percent correct. Like, you know, say, you know, TJP is a great wrestler and I'll just, yeah. So it was, no, no, look, hey, look, I, I, we understand he's, you know, anti-vax or whatever stuff. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. I, and I'll make it clear for people out there listening. Um, you know, false idols is a dangerous thing to invest in regardless, you know, wrestlers are workers. So if you're hoping that your favorite wrestler is going to mar- marry up and to your ideals and your philosophy and your beliefs, uh, you're you're setting yourself up for massive disappointment. Um, they're wise enough not to put it out on Twitter and not to promote it, not to make it clear. Uh, TJP have never been that guy. So as a consequence, we know where he stands um, and people can view him in the way that they view him. And that's okay. It's an informed decision. They can do that. But... Uh, he was incredible in the match. Yeah, he was he, unreal. He was. It was like, I was like, okay, he needs to get an opportunity at the at the junior title at some point, um, because he was. It was, it was an elite performance. It started, it, and he operated at a different level. It was like he was trying to prove something. I don't know what the go was. He was selling his knees so much that Ranga had to like come out and actually like help him uh, as much as he could. And I thought that sort of dynamic really built the sort of desperation, which I'm not too used to seeing from Catch Twenty Two, like. You know, and then when particularly when TJP was selling how he was trying to, you know, set up for the doomsday device or or you know, like their finishing moves and stuff like that. And his knee just kept buckling on him over and over and over. The the leaning tower, they call it, yeah. Oh, come on, man. Like it was just it was painful to watch, you know what I mean? But it really showed what Italian Ranger uh, is actually quite capable of doing. I just noticed that Doki would just his presentation seemed very different. New. Yeah. Because yeah, he just, seemed just four updated, guys. Updated gear. Yeah, a subtle. Yeah, like purple, a bit, bit of extra purple added. More purple, more yeah, a bit more florally. And I found it funny too. Was after the match they did this. They did this during the whole two nights. Was actually they had these promos of the factions. They had the just four guys and all mm. that kind of stuff. So they're sort of like really building and telling the story of what these factions are. You forget during the pandemic they didn't do that. They mm. went away from the VTRs. Because that used to be a real key thing about New Japan's yeah. presentation was those VTRs before the big matches. They went away from that for a period during um, the pandemic. And I would assume um, for a simpler reason as they probably had to lay off the department. That would be my yeah, most okay. likely my guess. Um, and so they've obviously brought them back in now. And yeah, they were really getting over those factions and those new... And the, yeah, you're right, Red, the Just Four Guys VTR was fucking great. Yeah. Um, tremendous yeah. to teach people as to here they are, Just Four Guys. And it was cool too to have Taka come out again and uh, you know just comment on what Taka was wearing. It looked like he was wearing um, a hotel rug around his neck, and he was he borrowed clothes from someone because they were gigantic. Like 
I like I like how Parker always has that line he says about whoever he's representing. You know what I mean? Like just tap out. You know, and it becomes like this big thing. Mm. You already die. Yeah. <laughs> is is if someone said that to me before a match, I would shit myself. Doesn't matter yeah. how small Tucker is in gigantic clothing. But you're right, Red. Like I like the presentation. You know, it makes yeah. it makes sense. The Just Four Guys is the play on Just Tap Out. Um, again, obviously, uh, yeah, favorite tremendous match. Um, for for a junior pro wrestling, junior tag pro wrestling, fourth defense for Catch Two Two. It's putting them up in in like. Rare air, rarefied air. I think it's there's a hot potato that belt. Genuinely, there's a hot potato belt. Yeah, and same with you know, um, Rapongi 3K. Like they had the belts like 87 times, but they never held them very long. Cash two two are quickly establishing themselves as one of the greatest junior tag team champions in the history of that belt. Yeah. Like it's becoming a thing that they're doing, and they're consistent and they're focusing on it. I'm like, yeah, let's just keep doing that. They're they're building this as an established team, and they're it's it's getting to the point they need to be considered in the top tag teams in the world now. I think that yeah. that always helps to establish a title. And I think off uh, coming out of the pandemic that they seem to be re-establishing that belt in particular. And I think that's great and with, a, with a showcase of those two guys. And, uh, you know, even through the tag league, it was fun, you know, more fun for me than I thought I would have had following Catch 2-2. And mm-hmm. see them sort of keep going with it. I think it's great the progression of Akira, and uh, yeah. you know TJP as you said just looks like he's getting I don't know more like more confident. You know we all knew he was the talent, super talent, but he's getting more confident in that New Japan context. And mm. he's, he's rediscovering his roots. You know, like he's yeah. getting back to that. Which he, which you know, and, and has that confidence as the as the old head for Akira, who mm. uh, is you know he's the has that massive potential of. And I, and I, I quite like that idea of um, you know within the story of that match with the knee and that sort of thing is uh, TJP garnering a bit of simpy because it's not it's not yeah. common for him to no. be the one, and then Akira being the hot tag guy. I like that dynamic yeah. change. Yeah, especially if he's the fireball, like that's his yeah. nickname yeah. or whatever. It's like that's a cool little thing to have and. Um, as I said, I think that dynamic works. And it, it, to me, whenever I see Akira now, it's like one, doesn't it? It's a great, a great uh, endorsement of you know reps in New Japan. Like his his growth has been obvious. I think yeah. for I think for both of them, that's oh for sure, yeah, for sure. Um, but it's almost like with Akira, you see the potential. The, oh, the boy, course. yeah, because he's, he's so young, young and yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the young, innocent. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like this funny. Well, they they were talking on the commentary. I uh, talking on the as I walking out. Osprey was saying about how Akira the night after they won the title that they defended the belts on the Saturday night. They went out and he had eight shots, and he and he turned up the next day to wrestle. And like they were so proud of him for his, he he did like he drank eight shots. And it's like look at him, he's a wild man. It's like he just it's just it's a great <laughs> dynamic. That's, uh, that's a that's that, that's how I start my night sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's- but that's the little boy, little boy Akira is growing He's up. Growing up, becoming a man. Yeah. Learning to drink, learning to get over. <laughs> yeah. He's doing it all. Yeah. He's, he's got the best boys to teach him. So, like, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a great point you made before, Josh. Like, or oh, was it you, Dave? It was one of you, one of the guys on the show I do with. Um, how, when, particularly with Akira coming out and TJP was the one getting the simp, you don't see that too often. But it also really sort of propelled Akira as a tag team wrestler in that sense that. 
he can go with anyone within that and actually defend his tag team partner and all that kind of stuff. Also, his comfort zone, he had yeah. to he had to do something he doesn't normally do, and it was against like Doki, who had pinned him multiple times. You know, like he had to sort of overcome that hurdle, that that thing to 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 do it. And um, obviously, the hometown for for Taichi translated to Doki and his boys. Like every like the crowd's all in on just four guys, and so they're fighting against the crowd. They're fighting against everything. And it's really good for, for, for young Akira because you don't get to see him do that as much because he's learning to be a heel. He's always been a baby face. And what I was going to say about, one, it was great to see the reps and the improvement. But as we come towards this All-Star Junior Festival, to be very mindful of what New Japan looks for and to people can be very judgmental and say, oh, this guy's not ready or whatever. New Japan identified Akira out of All Japan. Like that's where he was. He was wrestling in all Japan. And so I'd, I remember when he made his do, I'd heard about him. I had never seen him, but I'd heard about this kid who was, you know, he has like, he's a he's a redheaded Italian that has a Japanese name. Who is this guy? Like he had this sort of story and people were raving about him. Um, And then, but we obviously he comes across and now we see him like, wow. And it took him a bit of time. I'm saying this also at Junior Festival. There's a Francesco Akira out there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. There's, they're out there. And it's like, it's an opportunity for them to get an op to showcase themselves. And I just think it's a great reminder of, yes, um, we don't want New Japan stealing all the talent, but you can see the benefit of certain mm-hmm. talents getting an opportunity and then being invested in, in a New Japan system and getting the reps where he is now versus where he was. Mm-hmm. He isn't, he's got another year of this. I just think this, this team just keep going forward. I just think this kid's going to be very, uh, I mean, the promos are going to be a thing. He's got a personality and he's kind of fun. It's just the language barrier is going to be a challenge because who's he talking to? That's like, which should should he learn first, English or Japanese at the level? Like, which is he going to figure out to go towards? You'd think that eventually he'll become the the promo guy because there won't be, TJP won't be that for very long. (laughs) No, and he already is. Like, he did the whole thing. Like, he, you know, he's he's sort of taken a load to do that, which which is their one downside but that's where i think a guy like gideon gray can really take it yeah that's where he can really come into his own he can be their mouthpiece well i mean akira during that match he got close and he could one day be in the hall of very red and that's joining larry bird and ron howard um he could be up there he could be up there one day as one of the great reds too wow you're claiming larry bird strawberry blonde of course yeah larry bird's a ranger sorry larry bird's a ranger okay do with it okay okay Uh, well Side note, just moving along. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Drunky, I really genuinely think has one of the best moonsaults in wrestling right now. I genuinely think every time he does it, I'm just, you know, and so to see TJP and Akira in a match where Akira was pro- sort of propelled more into uh, a more dominant position, you couldn't have had two better veterans in the ring with him to sort of like help tell that story because it really was a great tag team match. Weren't they both telling the exact same story? Like in a lot of respects where it was like, Doki was having to step up to to be the aggressor against Akira. Like they were the the junior, the young boy equivalent of the the the, the of each character was sort of being propelled in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like those dynamics in the junior tag division. I like experience and young combination because you get to tell those stories. You can have the old guy versus the young guy versus on each side. The the beginning of that match was so good because it was Kenamari versus TJP. They were so smooth. They just moved. Per- they were great together. They literally were just doing arm lock reversals and all random shit and just, they were flowing. It was really cool. Mm. Um, and you get that diversity of styles and where they were based on it. So yeah, it's a great match. Definitely a, a must sort of see. 
Quick, quick little bit of trivia about you want a quick little bit of uh, trivia about TJP. Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, TJP debuted in 1998 for a literature libre school, uh, but it was in October of 2002 that he made his debut on New Japan with who or which famous wrestler. He debuted with someone else, uh, and, and they're on the same card uh, for New Japan, and they are a gigantic wrestler. Massive. The two of them debuted the same night, same card. He's in America right now wrestling for another company that's not WWE. Oh, yeah, Danielson. Yeah, Danielson. Yeah, yeah. So I was completely blurred. There's there's my trivia to just keep everyone on their toes with my wrestling fucks. Yeah, the LA Dojo. You want to have even more trivia? He, he no, was... no, 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 no. Trivia is my thing. <laughs> um, okay, on to the... Uh, Osprey Taichi match, I guess, is probably the next following off from on that night. Taichi looking like an absolute star in white. Taichi, <laughs> yeah. don't do it to me. God, <laughs> walking out like Harry Styles while he sings. Huh. Great jacket, eh? Mm. Yeah, I was interested um, in the presentation. Obviously, it's not all the way there yet. It feels like it's like he's kind of in between identities. Yeah, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna build on it. Yeah. Well, a big. I mean, it's not to not to go beyond the match. We'll obviously talk about the match, and it needs to be talked about, and sort of the particularly the decision they made, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the style of match they decided to have, um, for especially for people that may have been, you know, talking for I don't know the last seven months about all Japan pro wrestling, uh, and about the relationship of the history of that might come into play in in this match. But it was interesting. I saw the post match stuff they were doing where Taichi's just he's so good. He's so good as the leader of the faction. He's so good talking about. He was talking to Okamoto, the journalist for Tokyo Sports, and calling him a bastard and saying that that he's been they're calling him the low faction because they're not winning anything, you know, because yeah. obviously they lost the tag match and he's losing and they they got nothing to show for themselves. And he's like, "You all are going to be you're going to be so feeling so terrible when the lowest faction in New Japan starts running this company." Yes, he's like, "You'll you'll be the ones on the bottom." Tokyo Sports, you'll be the ones <laughs> down the bottom, and like all this media is against us. No one likes us, and it's like, and we're gonna we're gonna change New Japan, and we're gonna change ourselves, and it's gonna happen. And it's gonna happen a lot quicker than you think. And it's like nice. a focus promo for Taichi because first the first thing, well, the first thing for Taichi was the hair, wasn't it? Like he took the blonde out, now it's the yeah. jacket. He did, he, did, he did the Dak spot, which he hadn't done for a while, but uh, yeah. yeah, the progression is coming. Yeah, I, I love Tai Chi in the more main event sort of like scenario because the guy brings it. Like, that's my note. My, when I was watching the match, I was even going, Get up, Tai Chi's, get up, Tai Chi's. Like, you know, there was like near falls and all that kind of stuff. And you know, Tai Chi hit a fucking brilliant fuck your neck pile driver. No, that you know what that was, right? The those moves it was Masawa Kawada, yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were doing, they were literally rec- like recreating those. They are, that is the, the, that makes target. perfect sense because he does a beautiful back body drop, like a fucking devastating back body drop. Dangerous T. That's the Kawada. That's the Kawada. Love a back body drop. That makes perfect sense because when I saw it, I thought to myself, I was like, that's an old school move. That's yeah, a that's, fucking really cool old school move. That's why they were doing the Kawada kick sort of exchange and like, you know, uh, you know, I'll kick you now. You kick me. They were kind of like challenging each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you know, in commentary, Charlton's talking about you know, 
the King's Road sort of stuff. It's really interesting. One one uh, comment I wanted to make, and I haven't really talked about it that much, but I, it was really noticeable in not, maybe not so much the first time I watched the match because I was somewhat intoxicated, but uh, re-watching today was the the camera work was really amazing at capturing the emotion, um, you know, between Tai Chi and Osprey in those moments, like the breaks between when they would then you know, mm. get stuck into each other and then they'd have a you know, back and forth or whatever. And it just, the angle. Was so, so you notice like a subtle, a subtle of a zoom or a rack focus where they do the bit where they would do the fire up, where they would, yeah. they would be in tight and then it would go as they fire out, up and yeah. really capture it to really emphasize that, that it's King's road. Yeah. Take, take 10 to deliver one. That was what they were telling. Like it was a, like I said, the Tiger Driver 91, it's like, all right, but like they decided like that, that those moves, like the Misawa Kawada stuff, that's like because they fucked up because Kawada's doing the bomb because he had a broken arm. The yeah. reason that you ended up that he ended up on his head was because he literally <laughs> they did he did the best he could to consciously try to take that bump, which is what Osprey did. Yeah. <laughs> like to consciously say, I'm gonna land on my head and like just tuck the neck and do tuck my best. Right at the last very second. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. It was an insane decision and as I said, like this story that Osprey is telling, we'll get to Taichi. We will get to Taichi. But this story that Osprey is telling about I have one year and the way that the commentary was making it clear about he wants the biggest challenges, he wants the biggest, toughest opponents, he wants the most diverse, he wants to become the well-rounded, like perfect pro wrestler. And his yeah. first decision is Taichi in Okaido, King's Road. Yeah, yeah, and and the decision not to pin him at certain times, saying he wants the toughest path, you know, let Taichi up to take, uh, yeah, take the biggest blows that he can deliver, and so that elevates Taichi so well because this is a situation where Osprey is the made guy. He winning Osprey winning was like ninety five percent certainty in terms yeah. of like his elevation where he's going, but. Taichi leaves is far better than when he entered it. And yeah. but because they're able to tell the story of he needs Tai Chi to get him to the next level. And then Will's on Twitter talking about how he will walk the King's Road with that man anytime, any yeah. anywhere, any place. The respect he has for him of what he what he gave him his best. And they, as you said, Dave, they were telling that emotional story between Tai Chi's like Again, this is like his chance, and Taichi's finally got something really meaty around this idea of this this faction about trying to prove their relevance and their worth. Mm. And he's got this belief that us four guys got together. He's like, you guys are probably wondering, he's like, but we know what we're doing. We got together because we have something that we want to do, and you guys don't know what it is, but we know what it is, and we believe in it. And I'm going to prove that we can do it. And he went back to Kawada more than he has ever gone back yeah. to Kawada for this. You know, it was off off that you know, as a result of that match and the story that they told in that match, I'm like I'm desperate for Taichi and Will to be in the same block at oh, yes. in the G one. And maybe maybe earlier, Dave. Maybe Will's maybe Will's only loss. Is to Tai Chi and then yeah, be tell nice. the story of those two because they that I would I would be I'm down for that to be a fucking feud like a ongoing thing that they revisit through the year at different points and raise the stakes even more. 
I think after that match, even the even the first time we first time we were watching it after that match, I think I said to you, I think Taichi's going to win the New Japan Cup now. Like mm. I felt like he was like he's ready. He needs something, just doesn't, something. Doesn't and, Tai Chi just fit the main event scene just really well now? Does like doesn't it just makes sense? He looks like a main eventer. But I think he he's been ready for since. I mean, throughout the pandemic, he carried a lot of story and he carried a lot of stuff. He's got an opportunity to be the guy. He's the front. He's the leader of his faction. It's an amazing thing to say about a guy who hasn't won this year. Mm. He's on a losing streak. It's but that I think that's sort of part of the. It's part. It's clearly part of the broader story that they're telling about him and the and the, the growth of whatever that faction is as they develop an identity. Especially when their identity and the way that they're framing their just four guys, the reason they call themselves just four guys, they're even saying we're just four guys because we got nothing. And they're, they're building their identity around the need to acquire accolades. Like that's how they're building this thing. We will gain respect and legitimacy by taking things from New Japan, things that you like, we will take and we will prove that we, be- that we deserve them. And we sure we lost tonight, but we we didn't lose any plot. Like we didn't lose any uh, fans. People know that we're do- we're coming for you. So it feels like he needs to win something big. Also, do you think that the uh, the decision to go more all Japan and to bring back uh, you know some of the Kawadaisms into his match style? I mean, is that potentially like a, maybe not the name, but a calling to you know an idea of forming some sort of black saints thing getting a new an all japan guy in potentially sonata um sort of yeah sort of making the king's road thing his thing more so yeah and and i felt like i felt like it was a thing where it's like new japan's opened up the isolationist just and new japan's always been strong to uh, you know they've referenced stuff and they'll talk about other things but there's always been a bit of a you know like we're not gonna go too much into detail about opening up you know the discussion around different styles of wrestling but they made it very clear on the like charlton i think kevin kelly halfway through the match is like you get everything on the new japan show like you get all styles of wrestling because it was like it was very obvious that this was a different style of pro wrestling match that new japan would offer it wasn't the traditional style that they would go with because and i said when they did that kawada matching kawada kick spots like oh we're definitely going there now like it's it's that classic style. And to be fair, New Japan main event style is heavily influenced by King's Road. There's no getting away from it. It's it's adopted that. And ironically, Noah, the sort of the child of all Japan, has gone more towards strong style. So it's kind of funny how that is kind of inverted. But you do get to see the callbacks to me make sense that they are. I agree that I think that there is a conscious decision of the fact that their name is just for guys. Yes, they're branding it as that, but I feel like it is a transitional thing to the point at which they acquire legitimacy and their legitimacy may be, we are the outsiders who are going to take over and we're going to take over by being unapologetically our style. And a guy like Sonata, who is hinting at what he said, I don't know who I am anymore. Mm. He's made that explicit. And he's talking about this idea about there is, this is the thing that I don't know, get back to Sonata, but it, it's becoming fucking clear as day now. He is taking pins constantly. It's the point that even Shingo said, I didn't expect Sonata to lose him, but here we are. Like these are little shots inside the group. Sonata is on the move and he's quoting the the New Japan ETH, the little New Japan tagline that's been used on New Japan products, not any faction, not a New Japan thing about no creation without destruction. You know, like this idea about. I must destroy what I am to become what I need to be. Yeah. 
he has been co-opted by LIJ. He's tried to transform himself into something to fit whatever he's trying to be. He's lost sense of who he is. Tai Chi is going to be the unapologetically, we are going to be just four guys. We're going to do it the way that we do it. We're going to adopt the styles that we have inherited. That's the faction that Sonata needs to go to and bring All Japan Sonata, Ace Sonata, Mm. to New Japan and go not try to be Strong Style Sonata, not try to be LIJ and Governable Sonata, but be Sire Sonata and bring that to New Japan through that faction. That to me is that's we have been tracking this story throughout the year. I mean, for the last six or seven months, and Tai Chi and Sonata have always been they're floating together. And if you noticed, what is what is the three colors that Sonata wears? What white, gold, and black? black. Yeah, it was all and and Tai Chi was always gold and black. Yeah, guess what he just added to his gear? He added white. So these are the subtle movements that we're seeing. That is the pairing. That's the guy they're going to get. And that's the big shocking event to me. That's going to be the shocking event. When Sonata makes the move, that's when they become legitimate. Something happens because he can be a guy. And I think the two favorites for the New Japan Cup are Taichi and Sonata. Sonata. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, we said that about Sonata last week. Also, I think it was kind of poignant when they, you know, you have a match like that, very kind of old school, old Japan sort of style match. And then they said, they talked about Will Ospreay's style. He believes that his style is the best style. And I think that um, that kind of comes down to, like, he didn't really wrestle a traditional, for the most part, a traditional Will Ospreay. He's kind of, like, merging all styles to create his own style, doing effectively a different version. Remember back in the day when we would always say, oh, a Carter can wrestle all styles. Like he will go against a guy and wrestle their style to beat them. Yeah, It's almost like Osprey is doing a similar thing where he's incorporating their style, but still being true to himself and using, using their style to beat them. It's like, well, that would make sense. Right. When the ultimate goal is to defeat Kazuchika Okada. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Osprey's going to mess around and make us care about his fucking story. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I thought that match, just Osprey really showed off. Like, it's funny when you think only just a couple of years ago, he was just this aerial assassin. And now he's just like this, his offense now has gone to this bruising, this beat him up, like this quick, but just devastating moves, ground oh, yeah. based too. He's strong. The bully, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, like the, the hidden blade, like the, in that match particularly, they were both doing hidden blades. So like they were going toe-to-toe for that one. That's well, that was the weird. hidden blade versus sumo elbow, which is... Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, you think about like, if you break it down with Wilf over the years, the hidden blade sets up the Stormbreaker. You know yeah. what I mean? Like those are just two devastating moves and then both like, you know, one's a running, a running attack and the other one's a pick up and slam. You know what I mean? Compared to a flip to doody dude well, his Stormbreak is his one-winged angel. Yeah. yeah. It's his equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Also didn't realise that um, Tai Chi can whip out a fucking killer dropkick out of fucking nowhere. How is that? A dropkick. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. A stunning dropkick. It's like, it's, yeah. which is like the New Japan house style that he's now incorporated. And with like no space, it was real fast, no space, pulls out at a fucking insane dropkick at a real pivotal moment in the match when Osprey was regaining control. Fucking hell. No one saw it coming. No, no one saw that coming. No. And his his kicks were so stiff. He was yeah. just he was laying them in. It was and, and that's the thing where you realize like he may be the best striker 
in New Japan, in terms, especially yeah. from a kick standpoint. He may be the best that they have. Now that Kota's no longer there, um, his kicks are strong. Mm-hmm. They're really strong. If we at some point get a Tai Chi Nakajima match. Oh, yeah. They'll kick the shit out of each other for a just, it'd just be great. Because remember, it'd be like that Kota Tai Chi G1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just kick each other the entire time. But like, it was funny in the match, too, because there's a point where Tai Chi goes for a solid punch and Will punches his punch and Tai Chi sells his hand. Yeah, yeah. He's like, ah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and then he just like, he goes straight back to his kicks. He just yeah. plays them and, and, but that was like what you were saying before, Josh, about how Will wants to take on all challenges and take everyone's biggest, biggest blows. It yeah. felt like that. It felt like Will was going, come on. Come on. He Just was. Like, he literally was like, kick me. He bent over and said, kick me in the head. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, that's the story, right? It's like in order for me to beat Okada, to beat the ace, to beat the man, I need to go through the hardest path. For this year, it needs to be. I need everybody's best that I face, and they I need to elevate them to get them to to their absolute best, so I can take everything. Yeah, and I not only that, I need a diverse array of opponents. I need. Yeah. I last year was all about Osprey being elevated by having these great matches or these all time like whatevers, but this year it's about Osprey, as you said. He's he's figured it out. He's given himself the one-year clock of, like, I've got one year. And they're making the story, too. Osprey needs to save himself, like, to get to the point, and save New Japan. And it's, like, to prove where New Japan is and what New Japan represents. It's, like, he's he's going to become the ace. He's given himself one year to do it, which is a ridiculous. Like, you can't be the ace, but he wants to conquer the ace to proclaim himself worthy. And talking, like, the story that he's trying to tell is that I think New Japan is number one, but it needs to mm. be new, number one in, in my image. But also reflecting what I think New Japan is, which is I can wrestle Tai Chi, a King's Road style, and go, you know, this incredible physical, fast-paced match, and then I can go and wrestle, you know, another, like, he can go through different guys. And I just like the idea of, as you said, Dave, he's, like, almost... He's almost doing that thing about like he has to get he has to motivate his opponents to want to kill him because he needs them he needs their best shot he needs to get to the best so he can he can kind of blur the line between faith and heel because it's almost like well I had to in, I had to incite and instigate to get the guy to the level that he needs to be to beat me to put mm. me into peril so I could beat him and in process elevate him so I he ends up coming out of it not. People, not, fans aren't going to hate him. They're just mm. going to respect him. And that's what the United Empire kind of is. It's like, that is a cool story. Like, that is a really clear and simple story. And it's a lot of, it's a good comparison to make, I think, in, in respect to ways and approaches to storytelling because Osprey is not subtle. We always say that. He's not a subtle man. But comparatively, New Japan within the construct, this is showing how far he's moved, is that he's able to tell the story. This is an explicit story he's telling. But it's it's basically like what... um. You know, like Danielson is currently doing on AEW television to to get to MJF. You have to go through my my murderous row of all these people to, and if you get through this thing, which is MJF's running story, you know, it's an AEW trope that they do. Is like you have to get through these seven people, and then you can wrestle me, and he'll prove yeah. that, right? Right. That's his. That's a, a running trope they've done a couple of times. It's very clear. It's very explicit. If I beat these people, I'll get to that, and I'll be able to beat you. That's the exact same story we're talking about here. It's just not explicit. It's yeah, just yeah. not made. But he has to go through these. It's not something that Okada has no. He can't say, "Oh, New Japan." He has to wrestle seven guys. Like that's a 
I make a stipulation that just seems corny for Okada. You could have never imagined you have to beat all seven men and then you'll wrestle me. No, it's motivated by the character motivation. It's like saying the, the switch would be if Danielson in that context is like, I need to get back to where I was. I need to compete against the best of these guys so yeah, I can yeah. be prepared to beat you. But MJF as a character doesn't have that positioning in terms of how he's framed as the Okada-like ace. So I'm just saying they're the differences in the way the story is told. They're very similar from a uh, from a traditional narrative standpoint, but they the positioning is different, the motivation is different, and the the framing device is different. It is all about Will's journey. Yeah, how you get it. Right? Okada is, as we talk about in Teflon, he is so essential. Like that Ric Flair role of you mm. don't need to have any character outside of just being the guy that people must aspire to be. Yeah, You don't need to do anything more than that, and it can still be effective. And I think that, yeah, to see that story play out, I think it has massive potential to invest the, in, in invest the Western audience into Will Ospreay and into New Japan Pro Wrestling without oh, yeah. sacrificing what New Japan Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling does in its storytelling conventions, you know? It's a little bit more explicit, but it's not it's not as overt as the, you know, goes through my... It, that part of it, I was surprised at how much I got into that part of it, but obviously Tai Chi... Um, it was sad to see him lose. I must admit, I was no. I was a bit deflated. The crowd was too. Yeah, <laughs> didn't, that didn't help Shota either. <laughs> I think I think this is the year where I just become the biggest Tai Chi fan ever. Like, plenty of room. There's plenty of room on the boat, Red. Jump well, in. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I I know, I know. I mean, it's it's. Um, I'm ordering from now on the Tai Chi Subway. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like I couldn't stand Tai Chi when I first started watching. I just, just thought the two was the shit. But he, but he was red. When you started watching, and he was. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, yeah. I, I don't like being negative towards. No, no. He was shit. Okay. He loved being shit. He reveled in being yeah. shit. He tanked an entire best of Super Juniors. He fucking loved it. <laughs> mm. he, he's the best. But yeah, I mean, th- this dude is on a level, and like, it, it's amazing. What a testament to the two of them, where it's like you can have such a hard fought match, but for a guy to lose, but then still be elevated at the same time, it's not a thing you see that often. It's not something that, you know, many people can actually do on that level. But I mean, like, Tai Chi's in for quite a year, and with the brand new faction and his brand new look, and, and, he's, and it's so cool to know that we're going to see him figuring it out as the year yeah. goes on. Like, what is main event Tai Chi? What is, what is the big bad dog going to look like? What I think, what I think is, I think he's already figured it out. He's just going to reveal it. Yeah, slowly. That's what I like about it. Be so touching. Yeah. Well, I mean, you I... think about like him, him like, getting rid of Miho at Taka Tai Chi, and like going, "I'm a loser. Leave me. Go away." Wouldn't I be surprised that obviously there's been connections with the idols and stuff in, um, you know, in Stardom that Tam Nakano may eventually, um, be paired up with Tai Chi on camera. That could happen. What may happen at some point. Um, I feel like that would be the transition that would make sense for that character. They've been paired up at the historic crossover. What? So it's the four guys and one girl and a pizza place. Yeah. (laughs) I think that, um, you know, I think, I know, I think that there'll be some crossover there. I think, look, that's another great takeaway in, in regards to this is, I mean, Osprey has stated explicitly now in a backstage promo that they are recruiting Joshi wrestlers. They want a Joshi uh, United Empire faction, so for stardom, so they have hinted at that. So that yeah. is interesting. And I think, I think the just four guys stuff may be also a path to. I, we've we said it. Taichi fits across in the stardom space. He's one of the first to be actively promoting that brand before it was a big thing. He he was a guy doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see 
instead of Tam Nakano and Natsupoy come across um, with those guys in at least in the crossovers, but in, in the West or if the show gets more expansion. But yeah, United Empire, uh, women's in startup. So I think there's going to be a little bit more crossover than we than we yeah. initially expected. And I think that's only a positive if it's done the way that they have done it thus far with the with the integration. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, that was an, you know, a great matchup on that night. That was tremendous, wasn't it? It's like, holy shit. Um, interestingly enough, though, it didn't have as big a crowd as the next night. The next night in the same building drew more people. The shame. I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Really interesting because... I think it sold after that that night or... I think it was a Sunday, which helps, but I think people are really interested. I'm not... I'm not even joking. I think people are really interested in Yo. I think the no. I think the fans are invested in him. No, Dan, look, I'm invested in Yo. Like yeah. coming up to like, you know, the 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 Super Jays and all that, like, you know, when we do that again, I would be tempted to take Yo again first. And I'm yeah, being I, I think I'd be looking at that for sure. But, oh, that's what I'm, I mean. And I'm being hundred percent legitimate about that one one ten thousand times. But you know, it's just like, and it was, you know, it's cool. It's cool to see where Yo's going and how people are now following him after, you know, what could be considered a not so impressive tournament last year, uh, and just where what's happening with him? Where where is he going with all this kind of stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's definitely interesting to see his character sort of. Develop. Well, he is to me, he is like the skeleton key. He's like the coda of the entire booking philosophy of new Japan throughout the pandemic. I think he's the most reflective. If you want to understand, he's the most instructive pro wrestler for where they have been and where they're going, because you think about him and you think, man, he sucked for two years. Like he's just sucked. He's been terrible. He's been, he's been bland. He's done nothing. He's been like, as we said, Dave's great line is, you know, so minimalist. He's barely a wrestler. Like, but that idea of we, I kept saying, for during that time it's clear it's intentional and everyone's like that is an in, that is a ridiculous thing to do yeah but is it was it was it was it a ridiculous idea during a period of a pandemic when you can't draw houses when you can't do a bunch of stuff when you're already on your knees with a bunch of things for a junior character to basically go through echo that like, <laughs> yeah, yeah to be that and but to be someone that you you what's the risk of worth reward? Where's the risk of a you know a second match guy being going through pain? Same way that house of torture. What's the risk? Like what's the risk? Because like oh we're not going to draw a house. You're not drawing a house anyway. You can't get fans to the arena. They're not coming out. So you've got like a period of time where you have guys that you can can't you got to you got to almost hold them in suspended animation yeah. because you want to propel them but you can't. So yes, they're stuck, and people that are watching throughout the pandemic get sick and tired of them. But what's amazing is Yo has done very little. Yo is a transitioned a bit to a darker, edgier, tougher. He's got a sort of a meaner streak now, and we're seeing that. That's cool. That's an elevation. It's an it's an aspect of progression of his character. If he had done that just after being the breakup and just moved to that, yes, it would have been cool and people would be excited to see it. But they would not have been thirsting and yearning for the progression of such a movement. Most fans would have missed it as well. Exactly. It would have just been like, oh, he's got a little bit tougher. Now it's like, holy shit, look at Yo. And it's like, yeah, because they they debased him. They they drag, they just drug him back all the way to a point where he people were like, this is Silly, what is happening? Hiromu being a key component. He wrestled Hiromu 
in a Best of Super Juniors final. He wrestled Hiromu, famously cut a promo in during Corican Hall during like a Best of Super Juniors run like two years ago during the pandemic, where he's like, you should go home and never come back. You don't yeah. care about being a wrestler. You're not. You're taking up a spot that someone, um, like a young independent guy, someone coming through could have. They could. They could be feeding their family. You're getting paid. You're feeding. You know. You're doing this, and you're just not taking it seriously. You're not invested. You don't care. He told him he didn't care, and then that gave Yo had to do a promo when he finally won the next time to say like, "I do care. I'm just struggling, and I'm doing this stuff." Like he bought equity. He got equity with that crowd as a sympathetic guy, but people were just seeing him as this failure, and everyone's frustrated. And it's like when you draft him, I'm like. Don't because he's going to keep losing because that's the story they're telling. They want it. And it's like, that makes no sense. It makes sense now because now we can have cheering crowds and we get cheering crowds back and they are fucking yelling yo. And they are all for yo versus Hiromu Takahashi. So they have got the ace of the junior, the most popular character of this junior's division, right? That's been able to main event a new beginning card. And they are biting on Yo's near falls. They are with Yo. They think Yo can win this and they want him to. To me, that has been the trajectory of their booking philosophy. That is what they have done. And they have convinced people that this is a massive shift. When in actuality, it's a a minor shift from where he initially was when he started. It's a massive shift from where they've told that story. And to tie him to Leo as well is interesting. And they made that point on commentary constantly that it was Leo that unlocked him. It was the it was his relationship with Leo that has brought this extra edge that allows him to have this in the black the black gear. It's a massive transition, and I think it's a credit to their commitment to that story that I think has helped Yo. I don't think he's going to be the ace of the division. That's not that's gone, mm. but he can be a legitimate contender and put on compelling, uh, you know, emotion filled story sort of filled matches. Well, it's kind of like a pretty you know a story as old as time, really. Young two young guys, they form a bond, they do something together, and they fall in love with what they're doing, and they get to very big, unique heights and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, they're not friends anymore, and your heart's broken. And they're just sort of this apathetic person, just sort of floating through, sort of like a ghost, just going through the motions and everything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he gets a friend. And his friends mm-hmm. from a foreign land, and his friend teaches him again to love himself and and to sort of not only love yourself but believe in yourself. And that's what's happening in front yeah, of our eyes. Not take shit. Josh, I'm curious. Do you think then, because simultaneously they've debased show just in mm-hmm. a different way? Yeah. So mm. do you think the elevation of show it comes at some point and creates a yeah. hot fucking yeah. feud between the two of them? Yeah. yeah. That's a story. That's a story that has to be told is the story of Rapungi and Show and Yo. And who is going to be the one that unlocks show? That's the thing. Leo unlocked yo. Who unlocks show? And that's the idea. Maybe it's Leo. <laughs> and uh, because, but that's the thing. I think that I always viewed House of Torture like a moonshot. I always looked at them like everyone said, oh, that killed the territory. It's like the pandemic killed the ter- territory. House of Torture didn't help with that initial booking and the elevation of evil. But it was a moonshot. It was like as an opportunity when there's the stakes were lower to try something and to and the, the everyone's frustrated with where show has gotten to and they're still frustrated. They're so frustrated and they just want him to get something. And it's like you just see how desperate people are for that because they invested in that guy. We're seeing it with Yo. 
They yes. wanted him to get something so that when he did get something, Yo versus Hiromu main evented New Beginning got and drew more people than Taichi did. You know, like that's shows that the fans were invested in Yo. They cared about that main event. And that to me is a great endorsement of where that has gotten to because as I said, the match is uh, and look, we've got we've got questions and I'm interested in this and I'll I'll bring it up. We have Miss Doom from the Discord who asked, why did that Hiromu Yo match feel like it lasted longer than my marriage? Which then clarify was like 10 years. So that's uh it was it was like a 30 minute main event, right? And it, it was like I don't know how you can have two guys who are so fast paced have such a slow match or make it seem slow. Like it just time was stopping. I was not a fan of this match whatsoever. Uh one bit. I actually was not invested or engaged whatsoever. It's probably because of I still have some aftershots of last year with Yo, but uh, I was <clears throat> I was confused watching. But, but you've been you've been asking for something from Yo, right? I've been uh, no, no, I've been asking for something from Yo. This is the whole thing, and I'm on board. That was the best match I've seen Yo give. That was the most he's done in a match. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I I just found it just not as compelling. Maybe maybe because I was so blown away by what I saw on night one and everything, and was so happy. Mm. Uh, I, I I don't know, but I just for me personally, I just it, it fell very flat that match with me. Uh, I just thought that it it was it was a fine match. It was a fine match. It's just I have this thing with Yo, and it's I'm just not there. I'm not really all that engaged. Well, I thought it was interesting because I I felt like I watched the match right, and then I went to because I'm normally when I really enjoy a match, I'm normally on the outside of most people's discourse. So I was like, oh, I better like see what people are saying about this because I was like, I was like, man, because Hiromu winning is like okay, Hiromu wins. We just accept that now. That's the reality. I've come to that realization. That's where it's going. And of course, he was going to win. He's resting at the fucking Tokyo Dome in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was going to win. That was a lay down there. The fact that they were able to get two near falls, I mean, those near falls were absurd. In fact, I think there may have been a three count in there somewhere. They were too close. It was. But they they were so close. They bit. The crowd bit. And that's all you can do. Like, when you listen to the crowd, you're listening to, like, the benefit, we can now listen to the crowd too, which is awesome, which yeah. is so ha- handy. It was very handy in the undercard when House of Tortures are getting booed for their antics versus Suzuki and Narita and... Despy, which has now been become official, which is awesome. Something we can talk to for sure. The the never belts get them on Despy, Narita, and Suzuki ASAP. But it's so instructive where it's like, regardless. So that's how I was reading. It's like, regardless of necessarily what I'm looking for in a match, if they are being able to get the crowd to believe that Yo is going to win, and not only that, once they believed he could win, they then wanted him to. I was like, mm-hmm. great work. I was like, awesome job, Yo. And the whole story around Yo's just determination, doggy determination to keep fighting and to not stop. That's his persona now. He's a he's not a bully, but he's a prick. And he's vicious and he's kind of savage and he's kind of he's a bit of a dick. And that leg work, that new knee bar that he's in, incorporated into yeah. his offense, is it's mean. Like it's a mean and aggressive and simple and yeah. not it's it's minimalism done right. It's simple, minimalistic move. It's lack of, you know, you don't need a lot of motion. I thought he was hugging his leg. Well, knee bars look a little bit like that. And then and then there goes your fucking knee. It's blasted into a million pieces. Like, like knee bars is like the most dangerous submission in like, legit grappling. And it always, looks, it always looks a little clunky. And you know how he does his falcon arrow? He always has done his falcon arrow. He does the falcon arrow off the thing, and then he has the leg up, and he holds the leg up for the pin. Yeah, and now he tells the leg up, and he just transitions into a straight up knee bar. I'm like, I'm like, 
yo like yeah. good god dirty yo like hello that is a transition i was like where are you learning that like who's 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 out here teaching you the knee bar which is interesting because you know obviously uh show uh show is renowned for his snake bite submission like show is the fucking shooter like everyone knows that so it's really interesting to see yo incorporate that into his offense and as i said it's minimalistic and i love that that's all i ever asked for it's like that that adds that adds to the edge of his character right because the knee bar is like it's like the taboo submission in grappling it's like it's almost like a it's like a no-no in the practice room a lot of the ways because you can well, bass rooting got in heaps of shit when he was wrestling in pancreas for pulling off one of those things and breaking a guy's fucking leg and they're like yeah, yeah. and even even in like legit fights you know even like brazilian people like brazilian bjj competitors yeah they sort of shied away from the knee knee bar and they don't like it when people are good at like leg locks and stuff because of the damage that it can do to guys. Yeah. But then, you know, Danaher comes along and they become like the fucking leg lock <laughs> killers and you got to yeah. learn leg locks, right? So, but it, it has that, that edge to it being like the dangerous, the cunts move. Yeah. The, I mean, Frank, me, like. you're Yeah, yeah. You're a prick if you use that move. Yeah. Yeah, to beat Brock Lesnar, I'm doing whatever I fucking need to do. Yeah, to add that to uh to Yo as a character, I think that's a that's a cool little addition. It is right, and they had built it throughout the thing. You know, he'd done it on the way. Look, uh, can I just say this? Look, yes, I didn't really think much of the match. It's cool that other people did. That's why I love what we all like. I know, Red, but normally you're never on the opposite side of this match. Red has currently got nearly like a nine rating on cage match. It's currently rating higher than every other match of the weekend for New Japan Pro Wrestling. People fucking loved it. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. But let me just tell you, let me say this. I will now be watching show with more invested interest because of what Yo's doing. So the two of them are in this parallel thing where because one's doing this, I'm now watching the other because that is a fucking wicked storyline that I cannot wait to see, which is show versus Yo at Tokyo Dome. Yeah, again, um, uh, hopefully. A submission match in a Hell in a Cell barbed wire death match. I love that from, from the self-confessed match guy who doesn't do stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's no, but that's what this I always dwindle off into stories when I'm not really watching the match. And I got so invested into seeing this change, slight change with Yo. Um, you know, coming out holding pitches that look like they belong in a fridge against a guy who's also known for doing pitches. Exactly. But I'm, I'm really, really invested in knowing what is show doing now. What is show doing? And where is he going this year? Because that's going to be really fascinating to actually watch that storyline. We'll see now. We'll see. And so that'll be great. You can be invested in show. And then when he finally does show something, you're going to be like, hey, no, it wasn't, wasn't for me. He finally <laughs> did it. And I wasn't happy with where he eventually got to. Because like this was Yo's coming out, right? This was his opportunity to, to as you said, like he's mimicking, he's mimicking Hiromu intentionally. He made a whole story about Hiromu is fast. Like that was a joke. And he was like, so I'm going to take out your leg. And as I said, that is a cunt's move. That is that that movement. But it is the classic, if you think about what he has been for the last couple of years of I am the path of least resistance. Like if you take that and that's, that's led to him being like, I'm just, I'm the minimalist. I don't care. I don't put any more effort than is required. But if you translate that to what's the most effective way to take you out without me having to do anything else, I'm going to put it in, in a fucking leg lock. Mm. That to me is a, has been a great transition. So for me, the match was a, a it was yes, it was a slower build, but it was 
you can't deny that ultimately it was a great showcase for Yo's sort of movement to this new position. And Hiromu can still do it. Like Hiromu can still get something out of a guy and, and help elevate a guy and compare it. Like I was, I'd seen those those guys best Super Juniors final. It was, it was horseshit compared to this in terms of that was just a overbooked clusterfuck where Yo didn't quite. They they were trying a very similar story, but Yo wearing all white hadn't adopted the darkness and the whatever this thing is. It doesn't mean he's a heel. I don't know what it is, but he's a cunt. And that is his gimmick, and I am all for it because he's an art. He's a pretentious art prick. It makes perfect sense, kind of in his own world. And he's going up against what everyone perceives as the art guy, the flamboyant, whatever. And he's just—he's not here for it. I was, yeah. I think it's—it's it's one of those ones that we will look back on, especially if Yo has transitioned. I get—I don't think he's ever going to be the ace. He's too—I think he's too old for that now. They're not going to push him in that way. But I think he's a compelling character, and I can't wait to see him and Leo get back together and do some some more uh, progression in that because I think hundred percent, yeah. I think that we're going to see some stuff out of Yo. That's I like nasty, dirty boy Yo, the good son. The good son. I'll have to watch the match and get back to you next. Yeah, yeah. Week. Get back to this. get report back. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I was going to watch the match. I was going to watch the match a second time today just to try and see it, but I couldn't bring myself to doing it. But it's just it, like I said. The, this Yo has done one of the best things ever in the sense that he has now got me invested in a storyline that I'm fucking so keen to see. I love this kind of stuff. I am so keen to see what's going to happen with his polar opposite of show. And the two of them are just, well, they're not polar opposite, sorry, but it's this, you hurt me. You were my friend. You hurt me. Now yeah. I've got a new friend. He taught me to believe in myself. So what's going to happen with him and Leo? Does Leo crush him? And does he go back to being apathetic? Yeah, but I don't think he does. Not no. anymore. No. And that's interesting because we just mentioned uh, to, to uh, we had a question from Paula One Winged Yakai at Angel uh, YNX underscore Prime who asked a question about the future of the Hiromu and Yo rivalry amongst other questions which we will get to. But that I think we have sort of hint and hinted at Hiromu and Yo as being like Yo Hiromu is yeah. the he's the pretty boy that Yo's basically just got to keep I think chasing and ultimately using Hiromu to frame. His character progression, I think. I don't know if Hiromu's Yo's ever going to beat Hiromu in it for the title, but I think he's ultimately going to use the flamboyant, flashy, lovable guy. To like Yo was able to get the fans behind him despite not being explicitly a face, because he is, as I said, he's people want to see him succeed because he re- represents in a lot of ways what the malaise that people have felt for the last two years. So I think. And and maybe like I know it's a weird comparison, but like you know, like how everyone like projected onto Stone Cold Steve Austin. I wish I could stun my boss. It's kind of like everyone's like fucking Hiromu's winning everything. It's like we've been in shit for two years. Fucking snap his leg, yo! <laughs> fucking do it. Like he's the pretty boy representative of this thing. We've had it. We've had our fill. Let's go there. Um, but yeah, I, I just think my my only other critique of it is I understand people look at the match time and go thirty minutes long. I we'll talk about the match that preceded it. ZSJ and, and Ishii, but nothing on that card went above 15 minutes and then the, the main event goes 30 minutes. To me, that's a fair trade-off. And ultimately, I length has never been an issue for me. I think ultimately the issue around that discussion has been people that watch a lot of wrestling from all around the world and are trying to watch a wrestling every day, maybe 30 minutes is too long or maybe it's a late night and 30 minutes is too long. It's an early morning, 30 minutes is too long. But I I don't want to call it a lazy criticism but it's often the people that look at it without having seen the match will say oh it's 30 minutes i'm not going to watch it or i gotta i've got to watch this i've got to watch this on two speed to get through it 
I always feel like, well, <laughs> like if you have to watch it and you have to watch it on two and a half speed or two times speed because you have to, like you have to watch it, you're probably not going to enjoy it from just from the get-go if that's your initial engagement. It's like, all right, I, gotta, I just have to watch it. It's like, are you invested in either the characters? Yes or no? If you are, cool. If you're invested in Yo, like I am invested in Yo. <laughs> so this match meant a lot because I could see the transition and the movement of, of the character. Um, but if you're not and you don't think it's all that interesting, then I can see why you may be struggling with it. But to me, uh, the the three and a half thousand people in the in the audience were invested in the story. So I think they did what they were supposed to do relative to the audience they were playing to. Um, which leads us to the match before it. I, have you ever seen this, Dave? You did you check yeah, this I watched, out? I watched this match this morning, uh, in my lunch break today. Okay. Um, which is a great thing about the uh, TV title tournament. It's one of those you can watch on lunch break. Well, I was like, I mean, it's like, well, I know it's not going to go any longer than 15, so I can watch this match. Uh, I will go on record um, right now um, that my favourite new development of all things that's happening in New Japan Pro Wrestling is TMDK. I love TMDK. Yep. I just think everything about their pre- presentation thus far has been picture perfect. Punk rock music, everything. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the Zack Sabre Jr. techno banger as his <laughs> entrance music. That is it's just just, just so haven't quite got there yet, but it's coming. Uh, we haven't what do you say? We haven't delayed issues, but it's coming <laughs> out, Kevin. You'll fucking love it. It's a banger. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm a young punk. I listen to my young punks. And then he also made sure in his backstage promo that Big Bad Dude Tito is part of the it's part of canon he's still part of tmdk but he said he's like oh you know we got to change your name because it's like we've got to do more british aussie so he's like i don't know he's like what about mad can't say that on tv it's like uh <laughs> it's like mad cunt uh, tito i was like that is incredible from zach Sabre jr yeah the i i, I tweeted out immediately i said uh, casio belt is goated um i said look it's of all the great, th- of all the things we have said on this show, of all the of all the positions we have taken, I think history will look most favorably on our day one commitment to the, the belt. yeah to the Casio belt because it is the most refreshing thing that New Japan has done in years in terms of a clear like its own division instantly, and they picked the perfect guy to be the flag bearer for it. Yeah. And they picked the picture perfect story for it of first I take on the son of strong style. Now I'm going to take on the embodiment of Bushi Road's strong style. Next, I'm going to take on LA Dojo, the next generation of strong style. I'm going to make this the true strong style belt. I'm going to transform this to the never style belt. Yeah. I'm going to make this my world title. And he's saying it's the new Japan world title. It's my world title. I will defend it around the world. And, uh, and for and it's so clever for Western fans to get them invested. Tomohiro Ishii's like he's like a classic catnip to Western audiences. <laughs> like he's yeah, the yeah. most like oh Ishii match. But what I love about it, we said it, Dave. We said it forever. What were our look? I don't want to look. I'm not. I'm going to stop blowing myself soon. But we said early that what you were excited about was about what the 15 minute time limit would do to wrestlers in terms of how traditional style of a particular wrestler would go versus what they would do on the clock. Yeah. Tomohiro Ishii is going for submissions. Yeah. Like <laughs> Tomohiro Ishii is rolling with Zack Sabre Jr. trying to tap him out. 
Yeah, trying to change up his style a bit to weaken yeah, to, to catch him off guard, to weaken yeah. him, to, to not you're not expecting this. Like the And like I've got 15 minutes, so I've got to try something different. Yeah. To get an edge in a short amount of time. And it's a perfect I said Ishii's a perfect guy. If he ever wins that belt, he may because they, they explain that if you go to a draw, it's it just you'll go to another yeah, match. Yeah, the, like the, champion, the champion the yeah. champion holds. Yeah. The champion the true championship advantage is it will go to a draw, you you retain. You have to beat him, yeah. You have to beat him. And the story was Ishii's the type of guy, and everyone knows it. Ishii's the type of guy that is hard to beat in 15 minutes. Like yeah. he doesn't go down easy. If he ever wins the belt, he may never lose it. He may never win a match. He just might take him to 15 minutes every time. <laughs> like, he just keep holding it via draws, you know? Like, But that that idea is a perfect story to, to establish the identity of the belt because it's almost going in saying, Zach has got 15 minutes. That is the constraint of this division and of this title that ultimately is what makes it unique and what has a transformative nature that allows guys to work differently. You want to tell that story, that, that identity clearly, you put Ishii in because it's like the whole story of the match is can he put him down in 15? Mm. So they're just talking about time the entire time, which is con- educating the audience. Oh, yeah, that's right. And as Zach said in the promo, I had to pin him. I couldn't tap him out. And any and he says any match not by submission, any any win not by submission is a loss. Yeah. That's how he frames it in his head. I got to tap him out, and we know Ishii doesn't tap. He's tapped like once in. I've seen him tap once in my life. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't do it. He'll pass out. But like, so I just felt like as a match, like it was a surprising inversion and and a subversion to my expectation in terms of what I expected. With Zach saying "hit me your hardest," and Ishii saying "I'm gonna fucking submit you." Yeah, like. Yeah. Even like even doing like the abdominal stretch, <laughs> yes. like what? How's this such a small man doing an abdominal stretch? It was it was Tomohiro Inoki for a second. Yeah, that's there. a big man move. Like you need a long body to pull that off. Yeah, what's what's the what is there a smaller type of octopus? But that's what I'm saying. Like you don't expect to see that. So when yeah. you see that kind of thing, um, that the only thing you can say is it's the it's the Casio belt. It's the style of match. It's what we said it was, right? Mm. And Zach, as I said, he made it clear. He said, look, I'm going to elevate this belt until such time as I'm ready to go for the world belt. But my sole focus is elevating this belt and making this a true world championship, a true representative of the strong style. It's like, that is, just make that his mission. That is his year. That's his story for this year. Fuck, it's going to be incredible to watch. He looks like he's having a fucking great time doing the TMDK thing, and he's fucking loving and, it. Yeah. And having a belt, like, like his personality's coming out even more. Like he's he was talking about how he says, "I use purple shampoo. I know about purple shampoo." Like he's talking about fucking toner. Like, yeah, I I know what you're talking about, people. But he was like the young punks, like that song, like TMDK song coming yeah. out. Like how they just feel fresh and different, and they have an identity. And like how they trans, like the the their their video, their VTRs, like instead of blue, they made everything orange. Like the mats orange, everything's orange. Yeah, it's like the front man. He's got his own like, like that's it. Got a new moniker. It's cool. It's very cool. And and Fujita being his young boy, seconding him like, and Fujita with with Team DK helping them. He comes out to the ring with him, holds the ropes like they're young boys. He comes out with him, 
he's walking to the ring, he's got his shoulders popping, he's a bit, he's a bit feeling a bit cocky. I'm like, this is fucking great. And then in the in the back in the backstage, he's like helping like uh, Zach after the match after the wins, like talking to the you know he's saying to grab beers. He's saying, "Oh, Team DK would be a bit sad. Take the take my victory beers and take them back." And he's loading Fujita up the victory beers, and uh, and he drops one. And he's like, "Oh, he's like, oh," and he goes, "Oh, you keep that. That's yours." <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like it's just it's it's beautiful. They have everything about that is being picture perfect. Like every way they've they've told that story, they've booked that group. They look like Zach feels so natural and at home. And he said it's been ten years since they were in the those three boys were in the Noah Dojo together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we were scrapping and clawing. We had no money. We had nothing. It was just us three. It's like it was 10 years ago, and look at us now. Like 10 years later, we're here. Un- we're unapologetically asked, you know, like talking about we're going to do it our way. It's like that's he's they're able to they're parallel. Him and Taichi are doing parallel things, you know, calling back to their past, bringing those people through, going their own way, doing their own thing. And it's so fresh. And as I said, the TV title tournament uh, was great. We were on it. TV title has become a um, uh, to me, it's a must see yeah. thing. And I think for anyone that wants to criticize New Japan's you know, 30 minute matches, I don't want to get, well, then the TV title is for you because yeah. you know, it ain't going longer than 15, you know, it's going to be fast paced and you know, you're going to get Zach. And you're going to see different versions of the guy that he's wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And how good is that? Like, because Zach, I never thought Zach would be a guy that could bring that out in people because it was like, you had to wrestle a Zach match, but it's like, they're wrestling a different style of match versus Zach. It's like, I've got to be faster. I've got to do this more stuff. It's more urgent. Like an urgent Ishii is a funny thing to see. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you don't kind of see it very often. Usually like, you know, big stretches in his matches of like the chop off, you know, and that takes a long, big portion of time. Where it's like, and it's like the, you know, the, the, the Ghana fire spots and all that. So there's no time for any of that shit playing to the crowd like that. Because no. you're on no, the it's... next thing, it's five minutes is down, 10 minutes down, then you're at like 13 and they're counting down minute by minute. Yeah, which is a great element. Yeah, yeah, it just adds to the you know the frenzy. Yeah, and like normally Ishii's big matches are like the two rocks from like everything everywhere all at once. Like they're like there's just two stones just sitting there, and they like just sit there for a bit, and then the stones move a little bit. Like oh, there's no room for that. He's not the stone people. The rock. The stones have just rolled straight down the hill. Yes, yes, we're straight to rolling down the hill. We're just we're just going straight to the high spot. And it's like, holy shit, look at these stones move. Because that is the, like I said, the subversion of the expectation that you go in with a Tommy Ishii match. And yeah, as I said, it was, uh, that's what I like about the division. It can give us something that we've seen before, but invert it, change it, add a remix, you know, like in the same way that, you know, the front man's, you know, he's making, you know, creating new and inter- interesting songs with guys that he's played, you know, the hits with. It's really interesting. I like it. Um, and yeah, I just thought, what an interesting parallel and uh, combination, you know, on that sort of championship Sunday to have that style of match be on the same card as, you know, the the longer New Japan story match that happened to be a junior match, which is again another inversion of what you would expect. So I'm kind of liking the how they're playing with the former bit at the moment. Um, it seems like it's a new beginning on a on a couple of fronts there, you know. Very well said, very well put, actually. And that's a I haven't actually watched all the TV title matches, and it's definitely something I have to go through and actually check all the. But they're made for you. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. They're, they're quick, they're, they're fast matches. And, and look, it was a really, really fun match. Like Ishii and Zach and all that kind of stuff. And it does make me think about like, who <clears throat> who else is Zach going to fight in this style of match? Because it is so true. Zach always fights a Zach match. 
but with a shorter time limit. But these, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what these are now, Red, because I know what a Zach match is, but he can't wear you down. Yeah. Yeah. And like he's chained submission instead of going like six seconds into the, it's like he's just rolling through shit really, really fast and then immediately rolling into pins. And that was quite like one of the elements that I liked during the tournament is like things look a little botchy and rushed, but that's on purpose because of like you put on the clock, the pressure's mm. on, you got to do it faster. Mm. And, um, the, you know, the perfect thing about these TV matches, they're so accessible for people that maybe don't have subscriptions to New Japan World mm. too because they all get posted on YouTube as well. It's already up and free and available, right? Like you can see them all on New Japan's YouTube channel. Like that's, it's different. It's different. And that's what I said. It's a Zach match, but it's a Zach match in fast forward or like I don't know. It's not that it's far. It's not that he's doing it quicker. It's just maybe I don't know. It's different. Maybe that's, maybe that's why he's gone the, the sort of more punk with the peroxide hair and everything because uh, a quick Zach match <clears throat> truly is anarchy. <laughs> I think it's yeah. I think it's part of the uh, yeah the uh, the identity of TMDK is that they're going to be like the punk rock misfits. Yep, Young Punks. Yeah. They literally, that's the name of the song, so I think they are the Young Punks. And he, yeah, yeah, and he even, he even said that, you know, at the end, he was like, oh, you know, this is meant to be the, the Young Punks title. Well, I'm still a Young Punk, and where are they <laughs> yeah. at? Come and find me, you know? Yeah, and then he went back and explicitly challenged LA Dojo. You And he's like, you guys are always on social media, always out there saying you're being held back. Well, you're not being held back now. One of you stand up and wrestle me, and I'm going to put you down. How about that? Like, it's like cool. perfect. He's like, I, I, I got my first belt. I fucking done it. it. Took me ten fucking years. Like you know, it takes your time to get to this point. And now I'm gonna show you why why it takes time. I'm gonna fucking beat the shit out of you. Like, it's great. It's it's like he has he has something. It doesn't does it. You don't. We said it before. You don't have to be the world champion to be an elite top guy that is like must see and can draw a house and can be interesting and can be engaging. And you don't have to. Not everyone can be the world champion. But yeah. if you can be the champion of a very particular style of thing that people become re- you become renowned for, like that's almost better than being the world champ. If he wrestles kid and then gets kid into TMDK, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. It fits he, look a bit, he looks a bit like TMDK. young punk. He does look a bit like young punk, right? And he he acts like a young punk. Certainly does. Okay, before we finish up, we have a. Pretty big show in uh, coming up in the final show of the New Beginning Tour in Osaka. And it has a pretty monumental couple of matches. Um, and I have some questions here in regards to this. Uh, and a lot of people are interested in the Jay White side of this uh, in terms of who's going to win is kind of the idea. So this upcoming this, this uh, weekend, we have the Shingo versus Okada main event. Um, which is kind of an unfortunate position for Shingo to be placed, as we mentioned last week. Um, who knows? But it'll be a fucking nine hundred star match. <laughs> yeah, it'll be incredible. Yeah, it'll be incredible. Hoping for a uh, a run in. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's interesting. It's it's and probably a good question to set up is from again from Paula One Wing Yakai from at at an angel. YNX or Angelinks, yeah, Angelinks underscore Prime. Uh, love to hear uh, any thoughts about the Okada Kimia stuff uh, and the consequences of either party winning between Hikaleo and Jay. Same thing with Steve Lawless at Steve Lawless about if Jay White is defeated this coming weekend, will he get kicked out 
of Bullet Club in Osaka, or will he meet his fate the following week when in San Jose wrestling Eddie Kingston? So there's a lot of interest around uh, those two stories uh, coming into this this weekend. Is will we see Kiyomiya in Osaka, and will we see Jay White uh, leave Japan? They're the two uh, questions heading into the weekend. It's when Jay announced the leave loses like loser leaves Japan. Uh, you know, I, I made note of it. Like that's just such a batshit insane stipulation. Like regardless, you know, like people are so big on knowing what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I know this and blah, blah, blah. But that's one of those things where it's like, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. We know contracts and all that kind of stuff. We Why people don't... are fucking nervous, Red. Yeah, that's what right. I mean. No, no, but it's like, when was the last time we watched a match where there were stakes like this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and not to mention too, Jay painted the best picture. It's like, your family is here, Hikaleo. I know how much you love this. You adore this. This is your world. You have worked for this and you're finally here. Well, guess what, dickhead? I'm going to create a match so that if you lose, you can never come back. But mm. at the same time, if Jay loses, what happens there? Does Jay then go to America and, and work on Strong or have the opportunity to go and work for different companies and blah, 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 blah? Mm. No one knows. Well, I'm getting, as it, as we grow, go increasingly closer to it, I'm becoming more and more convinced that Jay may lose because they keep saying there's no way he's going to lose. Like it's the commentary is yeah, making okay. it very clear. Like he, it'd be a massive upset if he were to lose this match. Um, uh, it's interesting, right? I, I don't know where I stand on it in terms of uh, I, the, they released a video to sort of track the story, um, which is, you know, good. I think that's a good way New Japan starting to do to help people sort of catch up on where the story's been and to sort of help articulate the delusional nature of Jay in terms of projecting all of his failure onto Hikaleo. Uh, probably, you know, like how did, like, and Hikaleo saying like, what what did you expect? Of course I was going to five my brother. Like, I'm not going to, um, like that story was being pretty clear um, and they did a pretty good job I think in that video of just you know in four minutes kind of telling that story um, again I have no idea as I said no one knows with the contract stuff but it does mean we have incredible stakes uh, and as Steve has mentioned like the Bullet Club thing is going to be the story like if they're going to if Jay is going to leave the company or he's going to leave um, they need to use it to to build a story off the back of it like that's what new japan has consistently done with the bullet club leadership movement um i mean leave a leaves loser leaves japan is how devitt left he lost to um to gooch and a loser leaves japan match at wrestle kingdom that's when he did the demon gimmick all those years ago that's how the first bullet club leader left um the bullet club and never returned so that harkens back to Devitt, who is of for people that follow Jay White, is the guy that brought Jay White in to the company. So it harkens back to that story, which again, if you're following along at home, is concerning. Um, so they are telling that story. Um, those stakes again were, I think, at that time people knew that Devitt was gone. Um, so the the stakes weren't as high. Um, we were all robbed of Taguchi of America. I think that's a it's a shame, but we never get to see it. We. <laughs> Uh, and his ass has been punctuating New Japan shows ever since. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that that. But as I said, there's been explicit stories off the back of that, and then that, off the back of that, the night, the next night or whatever, you know, then they build the story, and out comes uh, AJ Styles, and off we go, and we're into the new generation of that. And then obviously AJ does the move, and off we go with Kenny Omega, and it's the new generation of that. So they've been consistent in telling that story, you know, even even Jay, you know, usurping. 
um, you know, turning at essentially on Okada, you know, and doing that whole story that you got to see there, Dave. Yeah. So like the the they need to make something of it. If Jay is gone, then they have paired him with Hikaleo. So they're saying, well, Hikaleo, that's a consequence. If 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 Hikaleo wins, he gets the rub of banishing Jay White. Mm. Now, does Hikaleo have the capacity to carry that weight as the guy that did that? Seems like a stretch. Doesn't it? It does. It seems like a heavy thing to give that guy because it's like if you're going to get someone to banish him, that could use it, like could definitely use it and would be beneficial. I know it's it's a it's an again, it ties into the whole story that New Japan is telling of investing in their young talent. So again, another flag that flares up that's yeah, like not, I mean, Jay's not exactly an old talent either, you know. No, I know, but it's they they may not have control over if Jay leaves, they don't have the capacity to, you know what I'm saying? They have to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. If he has said I'm not signing and I'm leaving, or whatever the deal is, or I don't want to come back to Japan, and they've negotiated something. Whatever the deal is in the background, they have to figure out how to do it. The other option is obviously Hikaleo is signed to WWE, which is another potential thing. And if you look at him, he could 100% looks like a guy that would be someone that they'd be interested in. So it's hard to know what the plan is, what the decision is. It's very weird that a loser leaves Japan and then Jay's booked the week later in san jose to wrestle on the show that's the part that's the weirdest part like if he gets booted as steve has mentioned if he gets booted and he loses and he has to go to has to leave japan then what his final matches against eddie kingston his final new japan pro wrestling matches against eddie kingston that just seems like a very curious thing um i don't know it's like i don't know what that is i have no idea so to me it's it's as you said it's one of the great mysteries it's got people interested and i tell you what people are going to be more invested in that result than any pro wrestling result in a very long time it has stakes it has really really but that not just we're going to have to do a, like, to do a mental health check on dave midway through the match at some point <laughs> we're going to check in on dave how, you, how you're going to be traveling midway through that match dave when it has real stakes uh, not so good I mean, if it's if this is the last two matches of Jay in Japan, then yeah, I mean, I like Eddie Kingston, and I think Hikaleo is a like a good, mm. serviceable kind of mid card monster or giant. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. It's, it's like pretty disappointing to me if he loses, and then that's like his, you know, how we say goodbye. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know what to make of it. I'm not. I'm not into this at all. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Uh, yes, there's high stakes. I don't like the stakes, really. Mm. Um, just because what it might mean. Mm. What 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 if, what if Jay's going to WWE? Yeah, but that's that's the rumor, Red. Yeah. So that's no one wants that. Nobody wants that. No one. No. So like, that's why people are nervous about it because it's the it's uncertainty. And uncertainty is some people enjoy the uncertainty, but I like I said, I like pro wrestling where I can connect the dots and and gain confidence and surety in directions. You know, like oh, this feels like it's safe and it's moving the right way. Yeah. This one has been a mess. They're also building up. Hikaleo look like it's a chance that he's going to win. Yeah. The, the way that the tag matches have played out and that sort of mm. thing. So that's kind of curious to me. 
Uh, yeah, I, it's like a to go from the world title to then wrestling Hikaleo and Eddie Kingston is like a massive slide. And if that's mm. the slide on the way out the door for Jay, I think that's like what. Why do it? Why not just do after Wrestle Kingdom, do an angle where he cracks the shits and Bullet Club turn on him and leave and you could have told a, that story? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but see, I think they may, that would be my thing is what Steve Lawless has said. Is I think that's the idea is like, it's the way they would do it. If he were to lose, he has to get screwed over and it has to be done there and then by the guy who's taking his spot. Like whoever's whoever's coming in to do that, so Hikaleo can get a, a pseudo rub, a rub, get like half a rub. Mm. Um, but whoever actually is the reason for it gets the real rub. Like whoever's the person that actually mm. banishes him, who's the one that screws him over, whether it's Kenta or ELP or whatever, whoever that person is, that's the one who Jay will have the issue with. Again, like I, is there no rumors about Jay going AEW? Yes, there has. There's been AEW interest, of course. And he's been tweeting out about Adam Cole continually. and But he's that's the thing what Jay does. He loves this. He's a fucking troll. He yeah, enjoys yeah. people getting like caught up and invested in his stories. He's, a, he's one of the last of the true workers. So you don't know if he's working the sheets. You don't know if he's working. Like, you don't know what he's doing. Um, it's curious how it's all played out. Again, as I said, it feels like he's trying to make this into something that's going to be compelling. He... It would make sense. He wants to give. If you're going to go out, you want to give the rub to a guy. Look, if it's if it's Eddie Kingston, the only way that would make sense is okay. If does if Eddie comes across and like, all right, I mean that makes sense. Uh, I what look. I'll put it this way: if Jay loses and he's on his way to America and he goes, if he goes to WWE, I will never see Jay wrestle again. So that'll be disappointing from me. That'll be really sad from my perspective, and I won't look at that. And 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 Western fans, uh, they won't see Jay White either. They'll see Jamie Blades, and they'll get a version of him that will not be him, unfortunately. If he goes to America and he does AEW, I uh, I won't be as upset because his good friend Juice is over there, and they could do some really fun shit together. Yeah, and Bullet Club can still be a thing, or. Or he could get kicked from Bullet Club and he could have that makes that a compelling weird interaction where he's basically with all the guys that are previously from Bullet Club, the elite and all that sort of stuff. Like that would make sense to be like amongst the banished yeah. Bullet Club people. And look, and then he can still do New Japan's sort of spots in Forbidden Door thing. Yeah, he can never go back to Japan unless yeah. he wins a belt. Yeah, this is like a stipulation. No, no, he holds he holds them hostage. Mm. It's like the only way would be like a forbidden door or somewhere where he can win a world title and he say, "Well, I'm not allowed back in Japan, so you know, wow. <laughs> you're not gonna have a, you're gonna have a, you, Wrestle Kingdom. I can't be there because I'm not allowed back in Japan. Like that's he that would be the way that would tell that story of him coming back. Um, so I think it's it's I mean it's possible. ELP did a promo at the end of the thing putting up the two sweet thing saying to Tama Tonga that this, like you were there to start this because obviously they've got their never title match. And he's saying that this is the, the true representation of elite. So I'm like, that's curious phrasing, you know, like, mm. so I feel like I'm with you, Dave. I think if he goes to WWE, he's going to get paid a shit ton of money and he, he'll hope we get a Cody push. But 
okay but again it's not i wouldn't invest any time in that and you can go do the debit thing you can just literally have debit's career and that's fine and you can make a lot of money doing that and that's good um but i think that it's how they do it that's ultimately what i think it's how they do it um if he's going to go out you've got to get someone's got to get a bigger rub than just hikolo because i think hikolo is too young to carry that too big a weight to carry um on his own i I will say this one. I absolutely love not knowing. I love when I have no idea what's happening. I love the uncertainty. I, I, would you love not seeing Jay White wrestle? I well, this is the thing though. That's I, the question. Would I you would love hate, not seeing him? I would hate Jay White to leave New Japan because the guy is fucking amazing and what he does for New Japan and how he does it in New Japan, even when he crosses over to AEW and all that kind of stuff. And it's like a lackluster version of himself, but it's like the Jay White in New Japan is just one of the best characters for years, but I genuinely love the nervousness of not knowing. It's like a big fight, a genuine big fight feel. Like, and I know it's Hikaleo, but it's like, yeah. and I'm with you. If the, but it shouldn't be know. close. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, I know. That's the it, point. Like, it shouldn't be. But I mean, I for me personally, I, I just, that match is just, uh, you know, you get pins and needles before a match starts. I'm so excited for it. It's just I love that that uncertainty, not knowing. It's I'll, just I'm so gonna cool. be I'm gonna be a string of billy cans. I tell you, I'll be I'll be nervous. I'll be like, good God. Um, as I said, um, it may even we don't know what it's gonna lead to, but I would be disappointed to see one of my favorite auteurs basically lose the capacity to tell the stories the way he tells the stories, and that's yeah. just and he can make yeah. that decision. That's that's fine for him to do, and that it's just like ah. It's like watching a, a great indie director go and get the Marvel contract. Like, fuck. It's like, ah, shit. Derek's and Simon Marvel. Shit. Yeah. You know? I mean, the one, the one sort of, for me, the one saving grace of if he went, he lost, he went to the US, US and he did the AEW thing is I think there he will have still the capacity to be Jay. We saw it after Forbidden Door in that promo. Like, yeah, I, yeah he's just going to be another one of those guys that will still be himself regardless. It'll just mean like he won't be able to do the Japanese-style matches as much. Yeah. Not as much, but on pay per view, he can he can do that, I guess, and yeah, um, and he can still if he's doing that, he'll work strong. He'll work the new strong, which is the big show style strong. So, I, I'd imagine that's what he would do because he he's not it's not loser leaves New Japan, and that was yeah. really curious phrasing, but that was clear phrasing. It wasn't loser leaves the company, it was mm. loser leaves the country. Yeah, so I think that was a distinction that added a little bit of uh, extra speculation. But I'm with you. I think that he, but I think if, he it, I mean, if he if he leaves, he can't go back to Japan, and he starts doing spots at Tamashi. That'd be good. For- I, was be <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. MCW and all over PW. Fucking hell, Jay White and the Croxton. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Let's see. In yeah. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super um, gay. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I think that there's 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 many ways this can go, and that's that's the part about it that's that's the most most confusing and can lead to you know excitement in that respect um it can lead to nervousness but it does feel like it's it's actually like a sporting event you can't predict the winner you you think it makes sense to go one way but you're not sure you're just hoping for the best result Um, in the moment if he loses i'll be disappointed because i won't i'll be unsure about what that means i'll be yeah i'll be i'll be bummed about it but if he stays within the new japan landscape 
Mm-hmm. I'll be okay because I'll want to see how that plays out. If he goes to fucking WWE, I'll be I'll, admittedly I'll be fucking devastated. Yeah, he's my yeah. favorite wrestler. So yeah, but I'll, Dave, yeah, Dave, remember my remember my great run of Nakamura into Kushida? <laughs> it was like <laughs> I I had the oh Matt Nakamura was my favorite guy, and I was like oh he's gone, and then it was Kushida, my favorite guy, oh, he's gone, and it's it sucks, it really does because it's like you just lose that capacity, but. We say it all the time, and it's it painful in the moment of like, oh, they're going away, you know, to the the land of the the absent push. But there will someone will fill the void. Someone will come in, and you, you just trust that. What could that guy be? Who could that guy be that could have that capacity? I, I know Jay's a special talent. You watch, you, you watch. I mean, I'm already all in on him, but you watch me go all in on Taichi for a world oh, yeah. title run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. That's it. Like, if Jay goes, there's going to be a vacuum for a top heel. Yeah, so someone's going to have to fill that void. And if I were, if I, if he did the AW thing, the only person that would be, if I were MJF, would be shitting bricks. Yeah, because I would be thinking, oh no, because I, he's doing the whole contract negotiation thing. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm like, oh, we just got, oh, we just got this other guy in who's, you know, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty four. Not that long away. Yeah, you can go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel free to leave. You like. Um, because we've got your replacement here. And I just think that that, so to me, I feel like him sort of picking his own spots. We'll see. We'll see. But as I said, it's an exciting, there'll be anticipation and excitement in the air for that match um, for sure, because it will be nervous energy about and uh, true stakes, unpredictability, the the bullet club stuff happening. Something's happening. The bullet club civil war stuff is something's happening. They're talking about power vacuums on the fucking, when they're talking about house of torture, they're talking about bullet club, so if they're going to push the civil war, to me the best story is Jay loses, he's banished, and he has to watch as the the whole thing implodes, and he's on the outside of it, away from it, and the big money is the final. I know it's the crusty is coming thing, but the final thing is the babyface Jay White returns mm. to be the the savior. You know, like in four years somehow. You know, like well, I mean, I I'll tell you this right now, Dave. I don't think Jay's going to the Fed. I don't. I 100% believe that he's not. Um, oh, I I don't know who's going are to you win. Troll, are you trolling me, Riz? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I, I 100% believe Jay's not going to the Fed. I 100% believe that. Well, then, but I, but how, what gives you the confidence of that, Red? There's no evidence based on how <laughs> I'm simply it's saying. Hope. It's more I'm hope, saying, Red. Yeah, there's more hope, exactly. I mean, I mean I, I've got to give it to Red. His hunches are generally pretty fucking good. <laughs> well, if you, let's hope you're right, Red. Let's hope you're right. Yeah, but that's that's what I mean, though. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I I don't want... I, I think... Oh, I don't really know much about Hikolai. I don't really... You know, he's... I... <laughs> It's just it's it's an. Be interesting careful what you say about him, Red. Sorry, this is this is nice. This is nice. Sorry, um, <laughs> hey, Mister Big Guy, <laughs> doing. Um, or his dad that I'd be concerned about. Yeah, that's true. He would find me too. Um, look, it's I'm just really excited for a match where there is a fucking stake where the ripple effect throughout wrestling is going to be immediate. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The second whatever happens in that match, the second that ends. Yeah, that's what I mean. The ripple effect through everyone. It doesn't matter. Like you'll have people who don't even aren't even watching it will find out. 
Yeah, People who don't watch wrestling will the find catalyst out. will that's the yeah. that's the point. And no, that's I mean, we thought the fucking Jay says fuck a lot promo was good. Oh Jesus. He might trash the joint on the way out. Yeah. The only way he's losing to Hikaleo, like I'm not Hikaleo is a is a guy they're building up and he's a big monster and that's a good thing. But Hikaleo lost to Carl Anderson. Like yeah. he's not Jay's not losing to Hikaleo clean. No, Something no. is going to happen. If he's going to lose, he's going to get fucked. Yeah, right? fucker is coming. And I mean, exactly. And so that's where the heat comes. So whoever's fucking him, whether it's Gato, whether it's ELP, <laughs> whether it's somebody, ELP's wrestling after him. So that is even weird. Mm. Kent is wrestling before him. Mm. And yeah, it's going to be the cunt that I'd be worried about. Yeah. <laughs> Kent is going to fucking. Kent is going to come out and fucking Dave. Could that be? Could that be the hot tag of your love? Could that be like yeah. Kent to fucking boots Jay out? Says it's fucking my thing now. It's like ah uh, yes, yes, boss. You know what, Jay? You're going to NXT, and they're going to call you Hideo Blade. <laughs> yeah, Hideo Blade. Hideo Blade. <laughs> yeah, hide your blade. That's that's a good one, Red. I like it. I'm excited for. I mean, the 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 main Osaka show is what it is. It's got. I mean, the big stuff's coming in the future, but I feel like with the Noah Mudo card. But yeah, we will see. I think um, I said I expect Kiyomi to make an appearance somewhere. I expect ELP to beat Tamatonga. And I think the Bullet Club story is going to be a story for the Western audience as well. I think we're going to be having that. They're going to finally do the Bullet Club Civil War thing, um, regardless of the result. I can tell you what our listeners are looking forward to, and, and I'm not trying to build things up, but if Jay loses that match, just wait for my intro the following show. It's going to be a banger. It might be a Josh and, Josh and Red double feature. They may not show up. <laughs> <laughs>